podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. It is a full-time Reds for the 11th time this season. It has finished at the Amex Community Stadium, Brighton and Hove Albion 2, Liverpool 2. I'm your host, Matt. I'm joined today by Kev O'Sullivan. Kev, how are you, my man? I'm all right, man. Afternoon, everyone. Hope you're all okay. Uh, Yeah, no, not too bad. Could have been worse. (laughs) Could be a lot better, but I'm all right. You know, I suppose at the end of the day, it's a refle- how I'm feeling is a reflection of how the game was. That could have gone either way, and so could my day. My day could <laughs> have gone either way, and it's still good. But at the minute, I'm all right. Yeah, and either way, it was a fully enjoyable last two hours, I would have to say. I've seen some people in here saying it wasn't a very good game of football. I would disagree with that rather uh, vociferously. I thought that was quite a fantastic game of Premier League football. Uh, as a matter of fact. So, yes, uh, Liverpool cannot get back into winning ways after last weekend's absolute refereeing travesty against Tottenham Hotspur. But yeah. at the end of the day, uh, it's a vast improvement on the result the last time we played Brighton in the league at their gap because that was one of the worst performances that you will ever see from a Jurgen Klopp Liverpool side. So we make six changes from the midweek game against Union Saint-Gilois, which uh, is completely out of my memory whatsoever. That was a boring game. If you want to talk about a boring football yeah. game, go back and rewatch the game on Thursday. Uh, we've got Allison in goal, which is good because there were some early lineups that came up that showed Adriana starting in goal. And I yeah. think if you if you saw that, like Kevin myself did, you had a minor heart palpitation. But luckily, at the end of the day, the, the main man himself, Allison Becker, was between the posts. Trent comes back in starting in the Premier League for the first time since he picked up his injury. Matip keeps his berth alongside Virgil van Dijk. Robertson, of course, on the left. Midfield, no surprise. Sabaslai, McAllister start. Bit of a surprise with Harvey Elliott. Up front, we pretty much don't have any other fit senior forwards. So it was always going to be Mo, Darwin, and Luis Diaz. What did you make of the Harvey Elliott and Joel Matip choices, Kev? Uh, Matip, I wasn't surprised. Harvey surprised me a bit. But in fairness, up until today... You know, whenever he's played this season, he's looked all right. He's looked fine. And he was fresh. So, yeah, throw him in. Why not? The only thing that I, that I did throw uh, throw us a bit was it put Dominic Sabasly on to the left. Mm-hmm. And in the first half, he was, um, yeah, he, he was one of many who just, like, the game passed him by. Um. Other than but was, that, he, was he on the left, though, Kev? Because I thought pretty early on, it looked like we were playing with Mo and Darwin up top with Sabaslai forming a point of a triangle with them, playing as a 10. And it was almost a diamond midfield with Luis Diaz yeah. deep and on the left, Harvey Elliott wide and on the right, McAllister on his own mm-hmm. in the six, with Trent popping in there sometimes. But it, I was I was really blown away. Because when I saw the lineup, like first I thought Gravenberch was going to get the start. Once Jones picked up his red card, I, I said it on the show afterwards. I wrote it in my notes. I said, this is a big, big chance for Grabenberch to take his chance in the first team and make that left-sided yeah. eight his spot. So seeing Elliot come in, I thought that we'd get Sabaslai out on the left, 
or pardon me, that yeah. Elliott would go to the left and that Sabasla would play on the right. Because that's what we've seen in the midweek games. When Elliott has started yeah. as the right-sided eight, when Sabasla came on, Elliott would move to the left side. So I thought that would happen. So I was really taken aback by seeing Elliott starting on the right. But Sabasla was playing basically in the middle of the park. And it didn't really work. No. Um, look, when I saw the lineup, I thought, okay, 4-3-3. Sabasla is going to go left. Elliott go right. And front three and just Trent will come into midfield with a double six and the two eights will just go forward. No, we played a four four two, stroke four four two diamond, and literally gave up the wings to a side who dominate playing the wings and love playing in the wings. And I just thought first half that just looked all kinds of wrong. It looked all kinds of wrong. Um, no matter which way you dress it up, for the first 20 minutes, we were holding on for dear life. We were, watch, we were watching them play. We were admiring their football. We couldn't get near them. And when we did have the ball, trying to play out from the back, it looked so painful. It looked so laborious trying to get out from the back because you spent the entire season playing a certain way. And I don't mind making allowances and changing for a side like Brighton who play a specific way. You make allowances for every side that you play, but in general, you play out from the back a certain way. And we just really struggled. We really struggled to be comfortable at getting out. And, you know, I it was almost a case that whoever was going to make the first mistake was going to get punished. And... <laughs> I mean, the, the way you look at it, I was looking at it, we, the game was high level. Don't get me wrong. It, was, it wasn't a case that we were, we were poor or anything like that. It was high level football. It was high level in the tactical sense that both sides were trying to impose the way they want to play on each other. And it was always going to be a case of whoever made the fewest mistakes was going to come out on top. And, I mean, you get on to the first goal. Mm-hmm. And... It was, it was a car crash. It was absolutely not McAllister's fault. Um, Alejandro makes a point there. Not McAllister's fault. There was some away games where he's still he's going to struggle in the six. We knew that. Let's hope we get Andre in January. Yeah, that's a conversation. Oh, I for love that. Show. But Ooh, yeah, but um, that first goal was all Virgil. Yeah, they Virgil set a trap, pick, right? Yeah, they set the trap, and it was a, a, a three-man triangle. And they did it all through the first half because we were playing so narrow. And Virgil has the entire picture in front of him. The problem Virgil has while he's on the ball, there's no movement. Nobody's coming short. Nobody's Darwin isn't or Mo aren't spinning to go in behind. If you look at it, there's a camera angle that was shown from behind the goal. And apart from going back to the keeper and out the other side and maybe out to Robertson and down the line, you know, there were his options. The one option that was never on in a month of Sundays was the option he decided to take was a, a hospital pass into McAllister, who never wanted the ball there in the first place. It was it was horrific for a horrific decision made by Virgil, and we were punished for it badly. It was a really good finish, and the finish was compounded because Allison was out of shape because he was playing a sweeper, but Adinga took the ball took shot early. Allison nearly got a hand to it, but 
that goal is 100% all on Virgil. 100% all on Virgil. Yeah, and it's it's the second time this season that we've seen that happen. As soon as as soon as that calamity happened and the ball was in the back of the net, my mind just flashed right back to the second league game of the season against Bournemouth. And it's Trent mm-hmm. that receives a bit of a hospital pass from Virgil, but it's in virtually the exact same position on the pitch. Trent was more of the left side of the double pivot. He ha- he's facing Allison. He's got players around him. The trap is set, and they're waiting for the pass to be played. And as soon as the pass is played, now Trent's touch is poor, and that's what allows Bournemouth to get in. In this case, Adingra just comes in and absolutely picks McAllister's pocket. And, yeah, it's just – like, it was there to see, and you just expect better from Virgil. And I, I've been kind of singing Virgil's praises all season. I thought that he's been, you know, coming back and finding his form again. And that was just – I mean, it's like you said – both the teams are playing out from the back and it was going to come down to which teams press force that error and they could concede on that or could jump on that error first. Yeah. And, and it was, it was Bournemouth and it didn't look like we were going to be able to get close to them because I thought they, they passed the ball around at the back brilliantly for the first 20 minutes, very much like Spurs did last weekend where it's like, Holy crap. Like we don't look like our press is getting anywhere even close to where these guys are. They didn't look like they were going to get close to ours until we uh, absolutely gifted it to them. And yeah, like Tommy C yeah. here says, we can't keep conceding first because again, another another one nil deficit. Yeah, pretty sure it wasn't the plan. But yeah. at the end of the day, it was always going to be a case that, um, like I said, whoever made the first mistake was go- was gonna gonna get punished. And once they went one nil up, they they just managed the ball and. You know, there was flashes. There was parts in that first half where we looked absolutely, we looked really good. We looked like once we got on the ball and got through the midfield, that we could build up some play. But I never felt like that midfield playing the way it did with more so narrow gave them the kind of problems that we that we should have been giving them, especially with Sully Marsh playing in that left back. You know, it was um, we just didn't have any natural whiff out on the right hand side coupled with Trent coming into the middle of the park, it was it was all too congested. It was all too frantic. And you know, I mean we we turned them over when we got the when we got our goal, when we got the penalty. It came from a press because every time the Van Bruggen was playing out from back, we you know we were getting at them. We were not quite there, but we were there to force them to you know, play out from the back quicker. But the only thing that we couldn't do up until towards the end of the first half was move the ball faster. Mm-hmm. We were so laborious on the ball. And a lot of that was down to the way we set up. Yeah. We, we set up on a 4-4-2 with a diamond. You're you're limited with your options straight away. It's, it's like you want to play the ball fast, but you can't. Yeah. You, you have to be deliberate with every single pass, which means you're taking a split second to be extra careful to make sure the ball gets to where it's going, especially after Virgil's fuck up, you're already one down. You know, two two nil down, you're in serious trouble. So, you know, we got back into it with with the penalty, and the argument is, um, should it have been more than a penalty? Well, you're jumping to our second goal. We're going to skip right yeah. past the first one if we do that. I mean, yeah, before we get into our goals. Well, we'll get into the, yeah. Yeah, before the get things take a turn for a positive. I, I, after a half an hour, I was I had seen enough of the formation. Like, it just clearly wasn't working. And I was questioning whether Darwin Nunes or Sabasai had even touched the ball yet. And that's, you can understand maybe with Nunes, because, you know, he might be a bit isolated being at the top. But 
the position that Sabasai was in, he just wasn't affecting the game at all. He was not able to get on the ball. He wasn't, you know, helping us transition from defense into attack. And it looked like we were going to have a real, real tough time uh, stopping them from just playing around at the back and Mm -hmm. cutting through our midfield because just the space and the angles was there for him. And then all of a sudden, ball gets turned over, them playing out from the back. McAllister plays it to Sabasai, plays it to Diaz, plays it to Darwin. Harvey Elliott with the dummies of all dummies and Mo Salah slots it into the back of the net. He must have gotten a show, yeah. right? Like Elliott must oh, yeah. have most Yeah. <laughs> Mo and uh, Harvey with heard a big booming Egyptian voice coming from behind. Don't you dare. <laughs> Don't you expletive dare. You know, but that was the first time that we moved the ball with pace. One touch, bang, bang, bang. Got into a position where we forced a mistake from Lewis Dunk. Dunk panic. We forced a mistake, but we we moved the ball quickly. Yeah. And from there, it was a lovely fo- it was a lovely footballing goal. Let's put it that way. It was a lovely football goal. You know, it was probably the only football goal in the game. You know, it was yeah. I'd say the the one the one goal in the game where you look and you say, yeah, that that's there's a bit of quality in that. You know, and and it was a lovely finish as well. You know, he slotted that brilliantly. It was a really nice finish. Good goal, arguably against the run of play, but you know you take it, and you're in one. You're forty minutes gone, five minutes halftime. You're back in it. You know you're growing. You were at this at this stage. We were getting back into the game. You know if you look at, you know the possession overall, but it's more about the possession in areas. We had a lot of the ball, but it was mainly we had a lot of the ball in our own half. Yeah. You know, we didn't get into their half and work enough situations in the first half at all. You know, it was a proper away away game, really, where, you know, you're going to suffer without the ball and you try to hit them on the break. And I don't mind doing it. I, I thought that's how we were going to approach the game, but not playing the way with the system that Klopp played in the first half. That, I just thought, made absolutely no sense. I, yes. I just found it really weird. Especially with the amount of times you've seen uh, Luis Diaz dropping into a, like an almost left-sided eight to allow Mo and Darwin to play up front. I, I just thought it was weird. It just, just looked all kinds of wrong. But yeah, the goal it's, itself was absolute quality. Yeah, it, it's the, the formation didn't work at all. The goal comes against the run of play. And yeah, it was like the midfield is, I mean, it's kind of a self-evident truth, but your midfield is so important in terms of controlling the game and building up and winning it. And I thought our midfield was pretty, pretty anonymous up until that goal. And like you said, bang, 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 all three of the midfielders are involved. All three of the forwards are involved in the build up to the goal goals in the back of the net. Hey, we're doing great. Uh, I like this comment here from sleeping dragon. that says smash a like button, please chat with a big thumbs up. Thank you very much for reminding everybody there sleeping dragon. It helps. It helps. We're going to try to be quick. Cause I know that there's a fairly, important game that's getting started right now in terms of uh, City v. Arsenal. Uh, shortly after the goal, we have a free kick. Ball goes over the top. Verbruggen and Diaz collide. I'm not going to lie. My heart was in my mouth for a second because who knows what's a red card these days. And speaking of yeah. a red card these days, shortly after that collision is uh, settled and both players are up and fine. Before we talk about it, Kev, I'm just going to read something you shared with me. This is the language from IFAB. Denying a goal or an obvious goal-scoring opportunity 
where a player commits an offense against an opponent within their own penalty area, which denies an opponent an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, and the referee awards a penalty kick, the offender is cautioned if the offense was an attempt to play the ball or a challenge for the ball in all other circumstances. For example, holding, pulling, pushing, no possibility to play the ball, the offending player must be sent off. So they try playing out from the back. It goes horribly wrong. Darwin Nunez lays the ball off to Dominic Sabasai. He is pulled down by Pascal Gross, who then throws in a last-ditch, very half-hearted sliding tackle. Stonewall penalty. He doesn't get a yellow card, first off. And somebody asked if he even got a yellow card for that. He did not. Is that a red card, Kev? Go back a, a couple of fr- frames a sec, because when it happened live, I honestly thought Darwin had played it back. The way the camera was so far away, I thought, oh, he's fucking outside. You know? And then when I seen that it was a Brighton player who played, I was like, he's on! He's on! So it's like, nailed on penalty first and foremost. Yeah. This is one of those times. Again, a week later, you need to hear the conversation. You need to hear what the thought process is because you just read out there and the key word in that description, because that description is from IFAB about the new law for this year, is all other circumstances. All. So every Pushing single one, and pulling. none. And pulling and is what he gave the penalty away for. Is he pulling? According to down. Mike Dean, it's all it's it's the, the rules. It's the, the rules. It's yep. the laws. It's the law. Going to judge dread the law. Yeah, if you go by strictly by the law, the law, it it should have been a red card. Yeah. I you need to hear the conversation because what happened? Yeah, he's got him by the pin of the collar, by the neck. He's like by hook or by crook. You're going down, but he does make a sliding action to try to get his legs in front of the ball to make it look like he was blocking the shot. If that's what the description is, plus the keeper is really close, plus there's a player coming around on the cover, is it a clear scoring chance? Bear in mind, Sabozla is sliding along the ground to try to get the shot off. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate and be, you know, is this what they said and saw? Because if that's what they said and saw, there's an awful lot of other things that have to happen before it's clear, straightforward chance to go. And that could be what their argument is saying, no, it's just a penalty. And it was a genuine attempt to play the ball. But yeah. you go back to what you just said, all other circumstances. Is it a record? People will make their own minds up. I, I, Sky are going in saying, you know, it should have been a red. I see Mika Richards saying it should have been a red card. But I'm lo- long enough around to know that pundits haven't a clue when they're talking about uh, the rules of the game. So, it's, yeah, I think if he I was mean, if he was setting off, the Brighton fans can hop and puff, but I don't think they'd argue too much. But you need this is one of those ones where we need to hear what was said. Ashley's making yeah. the point: there. Klopp on the gross potential red. I don't know. Don't talk to me about the rules. Fair enough. You're concerned about a week talking about the rules. Yeah. What do smart, you think? Smart, smart I, choice. I, I don't know. I don't okay. know. Well, the way I think about it is I don't see how it can't be a clear goal scoring opportunity when you're what less than six yards out. I think yeah. he was inside the six yard box. The yeah. ball is there for him to play. 
to me, that's more yeah. of a, a clear goal scoring opportunity than the Isaac one that Virgil got sent off for. So Virgil got sent off because oh, yeah. it wasn't in the box. So there was no double jeopardy. Yeah. So that in that case, that's a red card. Fine. We're calling that a red card. That's fine. But the wording, the examples it gives, holding, pulling, pushing, no possibility to play the ball. The touch that Sabasai had from the layoff from Darwin means that even though Gross puts in a very, very half-hearted sliding tackle, he had, let me quote, no possibility to play the ball. He wasn't even close. And the penalty was given for a pull. So as far as I read it, that's two of the four examples that IFAB gives for a situation where it is in fact double jeopardy and he should be sent off. The fact that there's a defender on the line and that the goalie is still in the net, okay, that's fine. You can't tell me when a player has a chance to get a shot off in the six-yard box, it's not a clear goal-scoring opportunity. It just is. He's inside the frame of the goal, less than 18 feet away. That's a pretty clear opportunity. Like the XG, if he'd have gotten a shot off there, would have been pretty friggin' high. It would have been pretty yeah, friggin' been, high. Yeah. Yeah, and so I just I don't see how it can't be. And so you get like, like Sam Tandy says, it's where we need to hear the audio live. Then we can understand the decisions. Now we're just guessing at what they're thinking. And that's and that's, that's and that's problem. it in a nutshell. That's yeah, it. That's that's the it in a nutshell. Because I've been watching football for over 40 years. I don't know what handball is anymore. I don't know what a penalty is anymore. And there's certain things that happen Red in the card. game. I'm scratching. I'm scratching my head. It's my head. And believe me, up to up to a few years ago, I pretty thought much you had it. Eh? I, th yeah. I thought I had it nailed down. You know, I actually understood offside, and I clever. No, genuinely, I I honestly thought I had it pretty much nailed down. Comments of the night know. from Ashley L. Here's what they're thinking. <laughs> well done, boys. Good process. Well Good done, process, boys. Yeah. Look, Good it doesn't process. matter. It's done. I'm sure it's going to be analyzed to death and done to death over the next, you know, two weeks because we're going into an international break. Yes. But yeah. Upset, upsteps Mo and oh. bang into the into the corner. Changed his um his way of taking penalties. Didn't yeah. rasp it. You know, he hit it with pace, and I think the keeper kind of stuck for a fraction of a second, and then went. It, it was a really good, you know, last time when he scored a penalty, I was like, yeah, it was great that it went in. It was a fucking horrible penalty, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, this, it was right this, there. Yeah, this was a really good pen. And it was, it was into the corner, not right into the corner, you know, but it was in and up to the corner and it was hit with an up pace that no keeper was saving. That. And we go into halftime, two, one up. And we're like, okay. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Three, Football's one. A funny, it's a funny, it's a funny old game, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, so the 3-1 you know, looks on again. You know, the standard yeah. Liverpool concede a sloppy early goal, go down 1-0, come back and win 3-1. 3-1 was my pre-match prediction. I thought for sure uh, we we would do quite well in that. So, I mean, my thoughts at halftime, I thought it was very cagey until they scored. Terrible from Van Dyke. Poor reaction from McAllister. Allison looks like he's out of position, but he was really pushing into like a right center half position when we were in possession with the ball. You know, with Matip pushing out far right to cover Trent with yeah. Trent's inverting. And then we're basically playing with no goalkeeper in possession. So it looks bad, but it's not really that. And then eventually our press pays off. Bart Verbruggen yeah. is no Allison in terms of playing with the ball at his feet. You know, he's, he's miles very away. Good from... young, very good young keeper, though. 
He's yeah, a very he's good a good keeper, but it's you you can just keeper. tell he's he doesn't have that experience and that sharpness to not make those errors that led to both of our goals. I mean, not that it was uh, directly up to him. Halftime, we get something that every online Liverpool fan loves to see. We got a halftime substitution. Ryan yeah. Wavy Gravy Birch comes on for Harvey Elliott, and I I just thought he was fantastic. I thought yeah, he, he did was good. so well. He was good. He's a, he was he, it allowed we went straight to a four three three. First and foremost. Yeah, and that's the main thing. Yeah, um, we scrapped that diamond yeah. and we went back yeah. to what was been working. Went straight to four three three. Gravenberts went on the left, Damo on the right. And look, it, it opened us up to giving up more chances, but it gave us so many options going the other way that we could really threaten them in a way we know how to. It was at the start of the first half, they had a really good chance. It was a ball played, I think it might have been Matoma, but it came from one side to the other, in behind Robertson. And, you know, I just thought, okay, it's 2-1, but this ain't finishing 2-1. Adingo got in again, uh, chopped back, got a good shot off, and Addison made a brilliant save, but my God. Oh, it was heart right panic, here. It was panic stations, wasn't it? Because he started holding his knee. Oh. Shit, here we go. Frank makes the point there. Robertson was very poor today. I go the other side of it, so, uh, Frank. Yeah, Robertson wasn't brilliant by any stretch. Simon Adringra on their right wing. He look. He looks a right handful. He what a game! A really, really right hand. He looks a right handful. Goal. Always a constant threat. Um, between him and Matoma, the pace um, he has. Yeah. Look, it's easy, well and good to say, yeah, keep your red tinted glasses on and what have you. At some point, you got to look at what Brighton are doing with the wingers. Yeah, do you know what? They're very fucking good. Yeah. And they will they will open sides up. They will open us up and they will create chances. And they did. They created a few chances. But at the same time, we created the best chance of the second half in with yeah. Ryan Gravenberts arriving late into the box. It was a good cross. Arrived late into the box. You have to be finishing those. Yep. You know, yeah. He, it, he it was a difficult puts it chance. Off the bar. Yeah. Yeah. It's a difficult chance, but he has he's got to get over the ball and get that get that on target. But other than that, other than that, it was after that chance, and the changes started to come, it became a back to, a back to the walls job. And um, it was, I, I felt it was inevitable that they would get a clear-cut chance and probably take it because of the amount of quality they have on the pitch. And eventually it came from the most unlikely of methods in a set-piece. We don't mm. generally give up set-piece goals. Our set our record in with defending set-piece goals, set-pieces, is generally good. And this is what I mean. The, the two goals that they had came from howling mistakes from us. Howlers. Howling yep. mistakes. And that's a frustrating thing. They were so basic. Robertson positioned badly. Lewis Dunk in the middle of the box. How nobody decided, yeah, we, we might want to block him off just in case Robertson fucks it up. You know, that's criminal. You yeah. know, it's just it was just pure, lazy, bad. Call it what you like. It was just poor. Yeah. And from start to finish, it, it was just bad. You know. Yeah. There's no, there no excuses for it. 
I've saved a couple comments here about the uh, the tying goal. I mean, just before that, they made uh, they make a couple of changes. Danny Welbeck comes on for Evan Ferguson, who I thought was completely anonymous, completely anonymous. Not a great game from the young yeah, kid, no, which he is didn't fine. And then uh, uh, Igor Julio goes down injured. John Paul Van Hecke mm-hmm. comes on for him, who's 23, which is weird because he was playing at the under 21 Euros for the Dutch this summer. Yeah. So I didn't think he was quite that old. Uh, before uh, before they scored, 66 minute. It's something that uh, Chris Brack threw into the chat at the same I time I was it writing it well. down. What an interception by Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah. He did not have a huge impact on the game building up and going forward. But I thought in the – because before the game, the big concern was Kauro Matoma is going to absolutely crucify Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I don't think he beat him once. I think Trent won every 1v1 against Matoma for the entire game. I thought yeah, Trent Matoma, defended very well. Yeah, Matoma was pretty quiet. But that one interception, that ball Matoma played over the top, he stretched, he tested that hamstring out to the nth degree to yeah. get to that ball. And he had to because they yeah. were in. Japan yeah, Matoma would have been Matoma would have been clear in on a breakaway, and Trent did it, his best Erling Holland tapping at the back post impersonation to get his foot up, you know, yeah. seven feet in the air. It looked like. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought that was very good. But uh, here's our questions for our. Uh, I'll I'll put them to you, Kev. Justin Ulysses. Yeah. My question: Why didn't Allison come out and grab the ball? So Brighton have a free kick. It's about 15 yards out from the touchline. It's on the left side of the box. Sully March whips in. What is? Let's be fair an incredibly dangerous ball corridor of uncertainty, all the cliches you want to use yeah. all the whip and power on it that you want. It's there to just be put home. Why didn't Allison come out and punch the ball or just catch the ball? Like we normally do. He was just stood there watching. Thoughts? Everyone was, a, everyone anticipated Robertson getting that ball mm-hmm. at worst. Robertson would have got a bad touch. Allison would have had to deal with a possible own goal chance. The idea that you can prejudge uh, that kind of delivery from that close. It's not a corner. The ball comes at you faster. Yeah. So if you prejudge that, you can make, you can look like a fool really quickly. I'm not going to tell Alison Becker how to be a goalkeeper. And I'm pretty much, I'm, pre, I'm assuming he's literally holding his position, waiting for some, everyone to do their jobs. Yeah, you know, and if the ball does get across, he's smack where he's supposed to be. You know, it's it's just one of them. I I just think that if he comes for it, Robertson gets a touch, he's beaten on his near post. I just think Robertson. It's probably the only flaw. You know that we do it all the time. We've done it for years, where we swap fullbacks on set pieces. Trent will go on the left side. Robertson will come on the right side. The problem is always going to be there when Robertson has to clear it on his right foot. And that's the second it, moment that I saved. Gary yeah. McKay, this one, this is for the Chris Brack uh, <laughs> Memorial despises Costas Simicas fan it club. Does. But he asked if Costas was on the pitch for the Brighton equalizer, it doesn't happen because he's a left back who can kick a football with his right foot. It, it's, it's more than likely to happen. Um, purely and simply, Robertson's body shape was wrong to take that on his right foot it's as simple as that. He, his body, his body needed to be slightly more open, uh, so he could he could t- he could take that on his right foot and hook it away. 
Yeah, it's it's as simple as that. There's no point in over over egging, over analyzing. The second phase is where Van Dyke has to block Lewis Doug. That's the danger. Lewis Doug is the danger set piece. You have to block him off. You cannot let him run past you. The second he run past you, go. Yeah. Well, and at least this at least this time when Lewis Dunk scored for Brighton against Liverpool, it was when all of our players were actually paying attention and ready because I will always remember after uh what Allison got a red card or did Allison get injured? And we were making a goalkeeper substitution and he took a quick free kick that should never have been allowed to be taken and put the ball into the back of the net. But that's a story for another day. Uh just mm. before the goal, uh there's a bit of a shout for uh, handball against Virgil van Dyke. It was about the only time that Mitoma really showed his class from last season. Him and Joao Pedro absolutely walked through Joao Matip. Mitoma gets a shot off, hits Virgil in the thigh, bounces up onto his hand. Obviously, Brighton fans are going to scream for that. It's never going to be given as a pen. The shot's from too close. Deflects off of his thigh right into his hand. His hand's in a natural position. Like, it ticks all the boxes for don't give a penalty. Don't tell that to Roberto De Zerbi, who went absolutely mental on the sidelines, picked up a yellow card, and Virgil van, or not uh, Jurgen Klopp, whatever the piece, yeah, being the peacemaker, going over and putting an arm around him and telling him to just, just calm down, just calm down. It's all good. Uh, and then Kanate comes on for Matip. Shortly thereafter, Joe Gomez comes on for Trent. And I think I saved a comment there. Yeah, Sony saying Matoma did more against Joe Gomez than he did against yeah, Trent. And did. I thought that was. Yeah, it, it was Look, it was the, not a vintage substitutes performance from Joe no. Gomez when you thought that we'd be bringing him on. You know, we made two defensive substitutions to shore it up where it's 2-1. We know they're going to be coming after us, and it didn't work. Yeah. And in a season where we've all been rightly lauding Jurgen Klopp for his substitutions, he got the first one in Gravenberch for Elliott. I thought that was a fantastic sub. I thought yeah. like that that really helped change the game. We got a lot more control. But these last two subs, ooh. yeah, I yeah, don't, it's... I don't think he had a choice in any of them because I can't see any reason why Trent wouldn't have done the ninety if he wasn't physically capable. Yeah, he's still coming back from a hamstring injury. He'd done a substitute appearance for uh, against Spurs. He'd done sixty, I think, against uh, Union, and that looked like it was um, prearranged. You know that yeah. you know the physios me medical team might have looked at it and said, look, yeah, you can get him. For an hour, 70 at a push, but don't do any more than that. If it's a hamstring issue, the last thing you want is a re reoccurrence of a hamstring problem, you know, going into November, December. So it is what it is. I honestly thought the argument would have been to go for to a back five, but saying that the changes came with 10 minutes plus injury time to go. So, you know. Cert who, certainly who was wasn't a lot of certainly wasn't a lot of injury time added yeah. on considering I, uh, I, you know a few players down. I don't know if the options were there. I think Matip looked like you know Matip for Kanate looked like it was fitness and alertness yeah. more than anything else. Trent fitness. Um, was there another option on the bench that we could have gone to a back five? I don't know. But I, I mean, maybe you can bring Kwanzaa on. And Gomez at the same time, and take off a Luis Diaz or maybe Darwin Nunez at that point. Yeah, but, and go with. But it's still you know. a, a two-two. You want to go and you need to try and win the game. And I mean, it, it got to a state in the end where for the last five minutes, don't lose it. Whatever yes. happens here, 
you know, a 2-2, fine, you take your licks, you're away from home, and you haven't played well, take your licks, take your points, and get out of dodge. You know, it's yeah. um, it wasn't our best performance by any stretch, but there's I mean, plenty, of, plenty of sides in and around the current top six are going to go to Brighton this season and lose. Yes, yes, and they are. It, they'll yeah, pick, and they'll pick... Regardless of their recent performances, you know, they got absolutely mullered all over the place by Aston Villa last weekend, losing 6-1. They went down real quick and easy to Marseille in midweek in the Europa League and fought that back and got a 2-2 draw for their first ever European point. But Brighton are still a good team. And Mm -hmm. uh, I I just think, and somebody had said it earlier, I didn't save the comment, my apologies, but I'm going to rob it without accreditation, that we were just a bit light on the bench between the suspension to Jada the injury to Gakpo, we didn't have that explosive change that we could bring on up front that really gave them something yeah. to worry about. Yeah, I think that I think that Diaz, Darwin, and Mo were all feeling the exertions by about the 75th, 80th minute. So, I mean, at one point, uh, it's Sabasly. He gets the ball. He's breaking through the midfield. It looks like he could play Mo to his right. Instead, he finds Luis Diaz to his left. Great pass. Unbelievable vision on yeah. that pass. Luis gets it out of his feet. Left-footed shot. Turns out he does the best left foot in the world, puts it a little bit wide. And then five minutes after they score to level the game up, Joao Pedro is completely unmarked about 12 yards out. And you got to, it's one of those ones, again, another cliche, but you got to at least work the keeper. You got to put it on target. And he puts that well over for a field goal. And then it, it felt like after that, pretty much after they leveled the game up, that if there was going to be a winner, it was going to be a Brighton winner. And that, yeah. that's tough for me to say. Mitoma grew into the game the last couple minutes. Yeah, he was absolutely giving Gomez just a nightmare. Gomez picks up a yellow card on 85 minutes after Mitoma absolutely does him in. And then that's pretty much it. I, like the game kind of petered out once we got into the extra time. You start seeing Baleba going down with injury again and again and again. Gravenberch forced him to take a yellow card. And that was kind of it. I mean, it ended 2-2. Yeah. It was, I thought, a very exciting game. The first 20 minutes was a little, you know, like two boxers feeling themselves out the first round of a championship fight. And yeah. then we got we got a bit of a slobber knocker for the final little bit. And both these teams are going to be good. Like, don't be surprised if both of these teams, you know, us, obviously us, I think we're fantastic. But I can see Brighton taking points off of Manchester City. I can see Brighton taking points off of Arsenal, Tottenham. Those might yeah, be the rest of the good one teams of those... in the league. They're one of those sides that on their day, they're they're very, very good. And they were good today. But I don't think we were anywhere near close to where we need to be. Saying that, there was a comment earlier on saying that um, for the start of the season, two draws and a loss isn't good enough. It's not ideal. But here's the thing. We're seven points better off than we were at this stage last year after the same amount of games played. And Arguably, we've played against some really, we've played some really. We've had, as someone made a point earlier on, we've had some tough away games, difficult games we've played. Um, we're not in a bad spot. We're three uh, currently, as it stands, we're three points off Tottenham at the top of the table. Played played eight, won five, drawn two, lost one, scored eighteen, conceded nine. There's clearly work to be done. You know, there's clearly work to be done on our shape, and clearly work to be done on cutting out silly mistakes. But we're in a good spot. You know, 
overall, you look at over Jurgen Klopp's tenure, uh, you know, in eight years, eight years at the club this weekend. Today, yeah, we're eight in a, we're in a really good spot. As co- if you compare us season by season, bar the title winning season, I think we're about ahead. We're we're a bit ahead of where we normally are at this time of the season. So the um, the break now, the players will go away, play. We just hope they all come back healthy. And we start again with the Merseyside Derby, uh, 12.30 on Saturday week. Yeah, she's shocker that we have another uh, early kickoff uh, after an international yeah. break. That just seems like what happens to Liverpool. Uh, yeah, I mean, just a few other things. Um, so far this year in the Premier League, there have been 12 teenagers that have started in Premier League game and f- 12 different teenagers and five of them play for Brighton. I mean, somebody said there that Brighton's recruitment department just keeps doing it again and again and again. Uh, it was, I think, Adingra and Balebo were both teenagers. Balebo with his first start today, I thought he was incredible. Yeah, I thought he good. was it. He started going down with cramp in about the 90th minute, as you would expect, <laughs> but that was deserved cramp because he put in some absolutely, absolutely hard yards. So, I mean, yeah, these are these are good teams, good teams all around. Good on Brighton. It's, it's hard to hate Brighton. I got I got no issues with. Yeah. It was one of those. I mean, it's one of those games that we have to be braver on the ball. We have to yeah. we have to move the ball faster, and we have to be able. We have to work out ways of imposing our game on them. But I still think we're working on exactly what our game is, yeah. and it'll come. It. This is literally eight games into a new evolution of where Liverpool are going. It's a brand new everything. McAllister today didn't have the best game. But instead of going into his shell, the last 20 minutes when he was taking the ball on the half turn and getting forward, Look so he, was making things happen. He, he was making a lot a lot of things happen. Yeah. First half, the first half in total, he, he was poor. You know, he was he was just not at it at all. You know, but second half, as the game opened up more, he started to get more time on the ball and he was able to dictate and play, play passes and play people in. He improved as the game went on. We will get better, you know, 100% we'll get better. And we'll have much better results than this going forward. I am I was just thinking now, Kev, and I'd have to go back and look through my lineups. I don't think we've started what at least I would call our best 11 is yet. Like, no, I, I you rarely we, do. No, but I mean, like, so, I mean, the first game of the year – Gakpo started in midfield. I don't think that's our best 11. Second game of the year, Gakpo started in midfield. Newcastle, Endo started. I don't think that's our best 11. Uh, Aston Villa, Jones maybe, but Kanate was injured. Matip played that game. That's not our best 11. Uh, Wolves, Gomez had to start at right back. Kwanzaa started at center half. That's definitely not our best 11. Uh, Bajetic started against Lask. I mean, the midweek games are obviously complete write-offs. Uh, West Ham Gomez started it right back. That's not our best 11. So like, I, I think we just had enough injuries to keep us from fielding our, our best 11 players in the formation that we want to play yet. So yeah, like we're all upset that we've now had what five points dropped in the last two games. That's not good because we're all of this mindset that Manchester city are going to put up 110 points, like some unstoppable juggernaut of a team. I don't know if they are that. There's a game going on right now that it might be 17 nothing to City over Arsenal right now, and I'm completely out of lunch on it. Yeah, 
it's I don't know if you need 100 points to win the league. I think that there's enough competition at the top. It used to be Liverpool and City were a two-horse race, and you couldn't see any other team beating Man City except for us. You'd get a freak result against Southampton maybe or Palace or Wolves or something like that, but they just seemed unbeatable. But I can see Arsenal getting points from them. I can see Spurs taking points against them. Manchester derbies are always tough. I think we can beat Man City this year. So we just need to keep the faith, keep on going. We're going to get our players back. I mean, the bench was a little thin today. Chambers was on the bench again because, again, we're missing. Bajatic was missing. Thiago was missing. Jones, Jada, Gakpo. We're missing five of our senior squad. We're missing off of that team today. So we didn't really have the ability to affect the game with substitutions off the bench like we normally would. Just got to take that on the chin. A way to Brighton is out of the way. A way to Newcastle is out of the way. A way to Spurs is out of the Chelsea. way. And, and Chelsea. Chelsea. So yeah. Those are four. Those are four tough away games, and you're going to feel a lot more confident going into the return fixtures for those games in the second half of the season. So, onwards and upwards. The main thing is is that for some stupid reason we're going to take another dumbass international break, which is beyond annoying, but. Tis what it is. Uh, who was yep. your man of the match today, Kev? For us, yeah, Salah. Um, Hard to argue. But it's um, yeah, slim pickings. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, no, it's Mo. Uh, two goals. The build-up play for the first goal was really good. Took his took the goal well, and the penalty took that really well. Um, Apart from that, I just think if you're looking for an overall man of the match, it was a dinga. The dinga was very, very good. He gave Roberts an absolute nightmare. Um, he was very, very good today, you know. But from our perspective, Mo. But I think Mo was wasted in the first half, despite the fact that he got two goals. I think yeah. we really cannot play this four-four-two type narrow midfield. And then it go and invert Trent into it as well. It's just silly. Um, it was it was poor. They, they, you have to have width. You have to have the option to go out wide. And when you don't, you condense the game against sides who are really good on the counter press and looking to turn you over at every opportunity. Eventually, they'll get it right and they're straight in. And so look, I just thought first half tactically we were poor. Yeah. Um, other than that, you know, like I said. Yeah. We're seven points better than what we were twelve months ago, and I and I argue, you know, we are a lot, we are a better side than what we were twelve months ago. Yeah, so, don't don't kid yourself. Look, this, at, look at our and, midfielders. And, and yeah, but this side will improve. This side will get better. The more it plays, the more games it plays, the better they'll get. And you know, we just move on from here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is this is not a team with an engine room that's at the end of its cycle on the way down. It's the exact opposite. We've had. Uh, complete rejuvenation of our midfield this year. Uh, I don't think it's possible to argue against Mo Salah's man of the match for Liverpool today. I would give an honorable mention to Trent Alexander-Arnold because, again, I thought he handled the threat of Kaur Matoma absolutely splendidly, regardless of what all of the online Trent can't defend brigade would have to say. And, yeah, Adingra is, my God, he is quick. But I thought I thought Baleva playing in, uh, in the six for Brighton was also just fantastic today. They just keep finding them again and again and again and again. But I think that's just about enough for us because there is uh, a pretty big game going on right now, top of the table sort of clash. So everybody's going to want to get off and get to that. So on your way, please hit the like button. 
share the video around to everybody. If you're listening on a podcast, download afterwards. Give us a five-star rating, share it with your friends. But most importantly, help out our ladies at the Dublin GAA Club that are just about getting ready to run their Dublin City Marathon. It's got to be about a week or two at the absolute 26th most of October, I think. Oh, there you go. Uh, so they got 16 more or 15 more days of training and then the big, yeah. big day. The big, big uh, they're day. They're done now. Train, Training-wise, done. we've actually hit the target. Yeah, have we? Yeah, I, I yeah, oh, I shit. checked it there. I checked it at the weekend. We've we're over the target. We're uh, thanks to everyone, um, all the, everyone Brilliant. who's contributed and shared all the way through. But the more they get, the better. They've got to their twenty grand, which is fantastic. Uh, I think last time I checked, they were on twenty one. But the more they get, the more they can donate. This doesn't yep. go to the individuals who you know who are taking part. They're all giving their time and considerable time. They've been training for this for ten months. Yes. So, yeah. Look. Oh man, I any, hadn't I hadn't checked you know, the GoFundMe in a while. That's yeah. I, I only fantastic. checked it at the weekend, just uh, just out of curiosity. But yeah, yeah, no, that, that I I was that's fantastic. So you know, keep looking, keep sharing it, and if you can, please donate. But it's been yeah. really really successful, and hopefully yeah. in a few weeks' time they'll run the Dublin Marathon. Keep an eye on the social media because we're gonna we'll post all of the links, all of the. Um, pictures from the day on there and you know well done to everyone in the chat everyone who's contributed everyone who's shared thank you all so much yeah yeah absolutely and for as much credit as we all get for helping push this and donating getting them to their fundraising target they get even more credit for training to run a bloody marathon because you couldn't pay me to do that i can tell you that much but no as for me and Kev, this has been Full Time Reds. It has been an absolute blast. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Let's go watch the end of what is hopefully a draw where both teams kick lumps out of each other and there's 17 red cards in the game. We can cross our fingers and hope for that. But for our Canadian friends that are out there watching, have a happy Thanksgiving weekend. Enjoy the awful, awful international break. Fatback 4 will be coming up in about five hours tonight, so check in and see what Gav and the lads have to say. If not, we'll see you guys all later. Adios. Podcast Network.